Guys, we're going to have a fun episode here with Jason Bond of Bond Trophy Outfitters. We're going to be talking about 3A, 3C early rifle elk hunt. We're going to be talking about 13A, a giant 38-inch buck that got shot on the archery hunt with Jason. Uh, we're going to talk 12B, Kaibab, 13A, 13B deer. Uh, we're going to talk general season over-the-counter, uh, you know, central Arizona units, mule deer tactics and strategies. Uh, before we get to that, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com. Cody Nelson, my friend of 20 plus years, is the manager of the GoHunt gear shop in the optics department. If you guys have any binocular uh, optics, tripod spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, any needs at all when it comes to optics, give Cody a call at 702-847-8747. Uh, also, you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. I get a message every day from someone that Cody has taken care of and uh, really he's got a great way of making sure everyone understands the decisions and choices that they have in optics and goes through everything very well with them. Uh, so you'll love Cody. Give him a call. Thanks uh, to Go Hunt for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's K-U-I-U dot com. K-U-I-U dot com. Uh, that is all of the gear that I use on all of my big game hunts. Uh, if you have any questions at all, you can always send me a direct message about Kuyu. I'm constantly doing a Q&A on my Instagram answering questions about uh, gear from Kuyu customers. I want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting for their sponsorship of the podcast. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Uh, that's the digiscoping device I use on my phone, my iPhone 10 to get photos and videos. Uh, use the JScott19 promo code. Go to Phonescope.com. You're going to save 10%. I also want to thank Onyx Maps. Dot com. Use the JScott19 promo code. You're going to get a 20% discount there at OnX. Uh, OnX Maps, uh, the app that's on your phone, is has replaced the handheld GPS for me. Uh, I love the fact that you can toggle back and forth just with a touch of a button between topo, aerial, and a hybrid mode. I love the line measuring tool. You can measure in feet, yards, uh, meters. Uh, it's, it's miles. It's, it's an incredible tool. Uh, there's also the private public land uh, overlay feature. It's just, I use it every day, whether I'm fishing, hunting, or in my real estate business. Go to onyxmaps.com, use the jscott19 promo code, save 20%. Guys, uh, love uh, having interaction with you. If you want to send me a message, you can direct message me on Instagram, at jscottoutdoors. You can send me an email uh, at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Thanks for all of your support. Let's get right to the episode. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast, guys. Uh, today's going to be a fun episode with our friend Jason Bond of Bond Trophy Outfitters. Jason, how you doing? Good, Jay. Good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. I know you're getting ready to head to the Strip. Uh, the last time we talked was kind of before elk season, and if I remember right, your wife had an early rifle 3C tag, and then I want to say you had maybe a 2300 or something. Um, fill us in on elk season, uh, how 3C was, and, and let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, before that, three, that 3A, 3C hunt I had, uh, my wife and I both drew it, the uh, early rifle bull tag that started before that archery hunt. But I was up on a 13A hunt with uh, an archery hunter I had there and then had a scouting package going in 13B. So summer started off kind of kind of full bore and and with all the scouting and stuff up on the strip i didn't get as much scouting as i wanted to in 3a 3c 
Um, then we had some family stuff come up to where my wife had to donate her tag over to uh, Outdoor Experience for All. So a young girl, I think she was 11 years old, got the uh, got the tag she donated donated back in and ended up killing her first six by six bull. So that was a really neat deal. Um, you know, and bottom line on that hunt, yeah, yeah, it was it was a good deal. Big smile on her face and and. Yeah, it was a, you know, I guess it worked out as good as it possibly could for, you know, my wife not being able to go on the hunt, that's for sure. What were, um, so you arrived in 3C, and of all the units in Arizona that you know very, very well, uh, 3C was kind of one of them that you didn't know as well. Just curious your thoughts when you hit the ground there and, and uh, how things were looking. Um, I know before before the season we had talked about potentially you know, maybe those bigger bulls wouldn't show up off the White Mountain Apache in that early rifle hunt. You know, the the bigger bulls would definitely survive and maybe not get shot. What what were your what was your take? You know that that's pretty much how it went for me. Um, I know there was definitely a couple or a few good bulls or great bulls killed on the hunt. Um, not as big as I thought would get killed. I didn't kill one myself. Um, I, I I saw maybe two bulls that I thought would break 370. But nothing significantly bigger than that, um, and it just wasn't what I was looking for. So I just I went home empty-handed. Um, you know, the it, it was strange because I got into some glassing country. I ran spotlights at night. I chased bugles, uh, you know, mornings and evenings. Uh, like say, glass hit the hit the flats, hit the pinyon juniper country, hit the hit the top along the res fence. And then the big canyon country uh, over by Black Canyon Lake, um, where I could glass quite a bit, and it, it almost felt like a November hunt. How it started out, uh, I mean, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten bulls standing together, not bugling, feeding like it was November. Um, so kind of, kind of like we thought about, and, and yeah, I never laid eyes on on a bull that you know just just yanked my chain, you know. Uh, Chased a lot of bulls in the trees. I got on on one good bull I got a glimpse of that I think could have been a real big bull, but I just couldn't see him good enough in that thick stuff, and he got across to the res, so uh, didn't really have anything that, there with him. How much of just kind of, you know, feeling like a November late hunt, how much of that do you think is attributed to a very, very lackluster and dry monsoon as opposed to other years where, you know, we have really good monsoons and you know it seems like everything's firing on all cylinders yeah you know i think that had a lot to do with it but like you said earlier i don't know a lot about 3a3c i wasn't really wanting an elk tag neither was my wife so we were wanting to sit out so we just we did 23 south early rifle 3a3c second choice ended up with the tag with 10 10 bonus points so um you know luck of luck of the draw on something Something I just threw in the dark, but you know, not knowing the unit before and talking to everybody that's been in there, um, it sounds like that's one of the going units where where things can get pretty crazy. But uh, I, I didn't really talk to any archery hunters to see if it did pick up quite a bit. Um, you know, the bugling uh, the bugling wasn't bad. It wasn't great. I mean, some some mornings you'd have a half hour after daylight. Some some mornings you'd get an hour, hour and a half after daylight. Kind of depended on the elevation you were at. Um, we had that full moon that was playing against us on that hunt, so I think that was working against us. But I, I do think the lackluster of the monsoon, you know, didn't help the situation either on that. 
Looking forward, I'm sure you've been just chomping at the bit to get up there and, and start hunting deer. Um, how is it looking up there on the strip, and, and you know, what, what are you thinking for this upcoming hunt? You know, I think it's, I, I think it's looking really good. I mean, 13B, uh, you know, to take it back to the archery hunt a little bit and some of the, uh, the statewide tags that killed, it was about 50-50, you know, as far as statewide tags go, 13A and 13B this year. Um, a, you know, a couple of the bucks that we were after, you know, hoping hoping to be on for this rifle hunt are, are obviously harvested now, uh, two of them with the statewide tags. I had a scouting package in 13B where we had found a giant buck, and, and my scouting package guy was able to hunt him by himself uh, with nobody else around. Um, figured he was mid-270s and... Uh, a few weeks ago, looks like Clay was rolling out with some antelope hunters and bumped into the buck, and and they ended up harvesting that buck. So that one's kind of off the list for us, um, you know. And then a few more on the archery hunt got taken out of there, but there's still going to be some phenomenal bucks in B. Uh, when we were hunting archery in A, I, I think A is what I'm really looking forward to on the rifle hunt this year. There's going to be no moon; it's a later hunt. And I only know of two good bucks that were killed. Uh, we killed one giant typical pushing 38 inches wide. Um, no cheaters, no anything on him. So just a gorgeous buck. Uh, but, yeah, I, th I think the hunts are going to be great. The only thing I'm not looking forward to is a lack of moisture. Um, you know, with that comes this camera usage thing that always stirs up a debate about, you know, whether cameras are good or not. But, um you know, guys are going to be able to play the cameras really, really well this year on the hunt, which is going to crowd everybody up on the better bucks. Uh, for guys that want to, you know, drop their standards a little bit, still kill a buck of a lifetime, I think they can have a great hunt as long as they stay away from the top, you know, five or six bucks in the unit. They're going to just have an awesome time. So with it being really dry, um, for those out there listening, what you're saying reading between the lines is, that, you know, since it's dry, those deer are just pounding water and, so, the, you know, all the cameras out there gathering a lot of intel and data, and so you'll have a lot of, you know, everyone knowing about the same bucks, uh, whereas on years where, you know, we get those late October, early November rains and snows and some of that stuff, it kind of spreads them out. You, you don't anticipate the deer being very spread out this year. Not at all. Um, you know, I was up there last week checking cameras and, and glassing and running stuff, and there's really not any change to speak of from from basically September on, um, actually August on. I mean, the bucks, the same bucks are on the same waters. There's a couple that have moved, but, uh, you know, the rut should be kicking up hopefully within a week or so, and maybe some bucks will get to moving. But there's really no pockets of water anywhere um, that – that are going to draw deer to them, like like the trick tanks and dirt tanks that are they're still holding water. Are most of the dirt tanks up there dry? The smaller ones are. The bigger ones, you know, that that have got some work done on them, um, you know, and fixed the bottoms and stuff. They're still holding water. Uh, a bunch of the ranchers went in with some tractors and equipment over the last month, and they're blowing a bunch of dirt tanks out and digging deep. Um, so I think, you know, getting those ready for when it does start raining again, maybe they got those fixed and they can start catching the water better. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely some trick tanks that are dry, some drinkers, uh, some cattle troughs that are dry. 
uh, and then lots of dirt tanks are dry. So it's it's really con it's going to concentrate the deer. It's going to concentrate some of the hunters. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. But the, you know the the feed's starting to diminish up there. Uh, you know, I was really hoping to have some kind of moisture just because of what we went into in the spring and summer this year, uh, and it stayed beautiful all through the archery hunt. I mean, the the feed looked good still with no moisture and no monsoon. But you know, right now is when it's really starting to look uh, pretty bleak up there. With that being said, you know, having the moisture year and, you know, the winter moisture that everyone was so excited about, which created great antlers, um, looking forward, projecting, you know, obviously a bunch of bucks were, are going to get killed in the next, you know, couple of weeks in the seasons in 13A and 13B. How do you look at the forecast for even as far out as next year with having a really lackluster summer and monsoon? How does that translate? Uh, do you think into antler growth next year, or do you think that if we could get a, you know, wet wet winter cycle and get some good snows and good timely storms just one after another, do you think we'd be totally fine looking at the forecast for the antler size next year up there? Yeah, I think we'll be completely fine. Um, you know, the good thing with Arizona is that deadline is that second Tuesday of June every year, so we can see what the winter does and what the spring does before you apply and for a guy like you with a lot of points and and others out there with you know 17 18 19 20 points uh plus i mean you you've really got to pay attention especially on a year like this where they're not necessarily going to go into winter as healthy as they did last year or or as healthy on a normal year i mean we just had the the highest or the the lowest rainfall in recorded history for monsoons in northern Arizona this year. So they're not going to go into winter as healthy as possible. But if we do get, I think, a average to, I think an average average winter is going to be just fine just because of, you know, how good they were going into the, the dry period this year. And with the amount of moisture we had in the, in the feed, I think it'll carry. I think it'll carry those deer over if if some feed starts popping up, maybe on some early early winter type stuff. Um, but you know, this rut may take a toll on quite a few of these bucks if 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 the if they don't start planting some decent feed. Yeah, um, you mentioned a 38 inch wide giant buck uh, in 13A. Uh, I assume that was an archery buck. It was, yeah. A uh, hunter of mine, Craig Van Arsdale, uh, was able to harvest that buck on day four uh, this year on that hunt. And I had found him before the season started in an area where I didn't have any cameras and uh, kind of went in there all week ahead of time and I glassed him up with a few other bucks and uh, just dropped my jaw on the, the size of this thing. One of the biggest frame deer I've ever seen. Uh, no cheaters, no no eye guards, no no anything, just a clean point, clean four point frame, uh, which is unfortunate he didn't have any eye guards, but um, yeah, just a giant giant deer carried 44 inches of mass, almost just short of 38 inches. I think it was 37 and five eighths wide, um, outside spread, uh, wow. just just a giant. So we we almost had him a couple times opening day, uh, blew a couple stalks. Uh, didn't see him on Saturday, didn't see him on Sunday, and then uh, I glassed him up Monday morning and took about 11 hours for the wind to get right, him to stand up from his bed. He was bedded all day. We could see him bedded, but just not in, a, not in the right spot to put a stock on him. And 
So we waited for him to get up at 5.15, and, and Craig got into uh, about a 12-yard shot on him. And, uh, wow, shoot, the rest is history on that one. But, yeah, just a just a phenomenal buck. I think he, he read an article for Eastman's hunting, Bow Hunting Journal, and it's it's going to be on the cover of that, I think, this next issue. But, yeah, it's, a, it's just awesome. a phenomenal buck. A little over 20 inches on the G2s. Um, just, just a monster. Incredible. Uh, I know the Kayabab, uh, if it's not already done, it's it's just about to be done there on the first hunt. What are you hearing as far as bucks harvested? How was that hunt up there on the Kayabab? You know, from what I heard, it was really good. Um, I didn't get a lot of time up there. Uh, the 12B hunt, there's there some guys up there, and just the last two days, I think our temperature dropped here to one one degree this morning. So I think that's helping those deer come off a little bit. They were seeing anywhere from 5 to 15 does the first few days of the hunt. Now they're up to seeing, you know, 40 to 50, 60 deer a day in 12B. So they're definitely starting to move. The late hunt should be phenomenal in there. Uh, I heard of a giant buck getting killed out of there over oh, three days ago or so. Um, I think Sam Derringer or somebody had something to do with that, but it was it was a great big buck. Uh, and then 12A West has produced a, a couple that I've heard of that have been just great deer, too. So, I, you know, I'm looking forward to that late hunt. I'll get over there after the 13A hunt, and we got four guys up there on the on the late 12B, 12A West hunts, one on the 12A East. So we'll kind of be all over the mountain up there. Gotcha. You know, um, while I've got gotcha, you, I get a lot of questions Um Guys with these, you know, November mule deer tags and some of these, you know, 17s, 18s, 20s, even some of these, you know, desert units and, and just some of these random tags, 22s, 21s, um, you know, and not known for the trophy deer. Um, yep. The guys, you know, asking me on my Instagram, guys sending me questions like, where, you know, what are the tactics we use for those deer? You know, we you don't talk enough about the deer that are, you know, south of the you know the the Grand, the uh, Colorado River and um, you know that type of stuff. What, what would you tell guys that you know have some of these general deer seasons, you know general mule deer tags in some of these central units and even down south? I mean, as far as tactics, strategies, does anything change in your book or you know how do you approach those hunts? You know, it doesn't change a lot for me from that from that North Rim stuff to uh, the the stuff in the center part of the state or even southern southern units of that. I try to glass as much as possible. I was fortunate to go down on the 22 youth hunt this year and spend some time there at the camp. Uh, one of my good friends from California came over with his 10-year-old daughter, and opening day we shot a nice four-point uh, in 22 there. Uh, I think we saw 21 bucks open in the morning. I think we saw another eight or nine that evening. Uh, and then after she killed, we stayed and helped some other kids out in camp. Uh, hung out with some great people. I think one of your friends, Chris Tanner, he was down there with his kid. Uh, oh, yeah. Just just a phenomenal time down there at that 23 youth camp. You know, it was 23-22. But I think on any given day, you know, we I had glassed up anywhere from 15 to 25 bucks um, in those units. But, again, I did it just based on what, you know, the the way the weather was. It was dry again, so... I put water within a mile of me and uh, get up as high as possible and, and basically not move and just get the glass in those uh, those north faces, east faces, uh, catch catch a little bit of sun right at first light. Um, but I think it's a lot, you know, I've been reading a lot of your posts lately about glassing those 
those north and east faces. Uh, that's what I like to do also. A lot of guys go nuts because I like to have the sun in my face. I like to have the wind in my face. And I hear, you know, from hunters that I take and other guides that, that I've been with that, you know, I want the sun at my back. I, you know, I want to be able to see good. And I said, well, you're looking the wrong way. you got to put the sun in your face. Um, and it really works out. I mean, a lot of truth in what you've been, you've been posting on the glassing tips. Uh, I, I like to look into the sun. I think you find bigger animals. I, I think some of the younger bucks and bulls will be out in the sunlight a little bit longer than the bigger ones. But uh, if you want to find a lot and, and bigger animals, you need to be looking into the sun. That, that gives you looking at the shady side of the hills. And, and that's pretty much what I did down there. I do a lot of hunting in 10 and 18 and 17 and 19, a um, little bit, you know, quite a bit in 8 also on the over-the-counter hunts and, and elk hunts, obviously. But, you know, there's some phenomenal bucks in that country. Uh, there's been plenty of bucks killed over 200 inches. I mean, it's just a matter of getting out there. They don't obviously grow on trees, not near as many as the North Rim. But if you get out there and hunt hard, get a little luck on your side, I mean, you can definitely stir something up like that. But you got to put yourself where the feed is. You got to put yourself where the water is. Um, if if you're not, then you know you're just you're not into deer. Yeah, you know I think I uh, appreciate you saying that about this stuff. I've been, you know, a lot of times I kind of take for granted what we've done for so long, and it's just kind of second nature. So I've kind of kind of been trying to break it down a little bit, and you know, gotten some flack from a few guys that are like, oh, of course that's what you do, and. You know, I come at it from a different perspective of trying to help people um, become more successful. And, you know, a lot of the listenership, we've got a lot of really advanced and expert, you know, type guys. And then we've got a lot of guys in the middle and a lot of new new guys that don't know. And, um, you know, so I get people saying, well, what are the tactics? And it's like glass, glass, glass. And they're like, yeah, but what else? And I'm like, that's really what we do. And it's, it's fun to hear you say, Jason, you know, you lean on your optics and, you know, you – you know that they're if it's dry, they're going to be fairly close to water. Uh, get up on a high point and look around for a day. You know, spend half a day looking in one area and half you know half a day looking in another. And you know, if you've got a buddy or two and can spread guys out, you, you know, say, okay, how many do you see? How many do you see? And you know, one guy out of the three will probably see a lot more. And then you go, okay, now let's focus kind of in that area and you know let's kind of let's kind of bring everybody in and kind of refine our search for. You know, now we'll, we'll we'll sit on different knobs, but we'll be kind of in that area where, you know, maybe one or two guys saw a bunch of deer. Maybe one guy struck out. We'll kind of rule that area out, kind of focus and bring it back to the center. Um, but wouldn't you agree, like, you know, you've been doing this a long, long time. There's no magic. It's just a matter no. of spending time looking and, and looking, like you said, in the areas where you have your higher percentage of chance of seeing a deer, yeah, you're, you're glassing with the sun at your back uh, in the afternoon, yeah, you can see really good, but you're looking on the wrong side of the hill where 90% of the animals are on the opposite side of, of the hill that you're, you're looking at. And so, yes, you may see a few deer, but you're looking, you flip that around, put the sun in your face, look at the shady slopes, even if you're not even as good a glasser, at least you're looking where the animals spend most of their time. You know, that, that's the bottom line. Um, it's happened to me this year. Hey, we got to, you know, let's, we're looking into the sun. Well, yeah, heck yeah, we're looking in the sun. We need to, need to fight that sun to look into that shade as hard as you can. And you can use trees, you know, when you're next to a tree or a bush or whatever you got there, um, a lot of times you can back up from that bush and catch yourself some shade. 
and, and be able to see a little bit better and, and get angles by moving around the shade of that tree looking into the sun. Um, and that's and would, and wouldn't so you agree crucial. too, Jason, like um, that doesn't mean that sometimes you don't look at, you know, some of the west facing and some of the south facing slopes, but you're very aware and cognizant of where are those shade areas, where are the thicker brush. I mean, they can be on an open hillside, you know, that's, that's a west facing getting tons of sun, but if you say, okay, if I was going to shade up and I was a deer or elk on that slope, where would I be? Well, most of the time when you start looking at where the shady areas are on some of those west-facing, south-facing exposure slopes, all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's a deer. I mean, in the exactly. same thing when you're look, looking into the shade, you know, when you're looking at some of the north and east-facing slopes, I mean, it, it's, sometimes it becomes so predictable. It's like, okay, the, the weather's steady, you know, blue sky, bluebird days, you can almost guarantee that within an hour of sunup, they're going to be in the shady spots. And if you start looking into the shade, at any time of the day, you start going, oh, there's a deer, there's a cow elk bedded, there's a bull, there's a bull up feeding, there, you know, there's a buck, there's three bucks. It's one of them's bedded and two are feeding, and it's like, yeah, now you're looking where they're at and where they spend more, the majority of their time. Your percentage of, of seeing stuff goes way, way up. It'll, it'll go way up. And it's, it's like elk hunting, you know. you got these big meadows that these elk will come out in at night. Well, they're, you know, minus private land where they might stay out there a little longer, most of those animals in those big meadows, those big openings, are going to be getting into those trees pretty early, and they're going to be heading towards shade. Um, you, yeah. That's where you got to look. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it works out great. So, yeah, the, the tactics on glass, and, I mean, that's that's pretty much what I do. I try to look into the sun. Um and, and keep the wind blowing in my face, and that's not for scent control. That's just because nobody in their right mind, including an animal, wants to be blown away off a hill on the windy side of the hill. Yeah, so. it's almost when there's a little bit of wind. Um, just I almost like a little bit of wind because you you actually can rule out a lot of areas, and all of a sudden they become very, very predictable. Get that stiff wind, get it in your face, and you know that where you're looking is the lee side of the hill, and those animals are going to be trying to seek shelter. Yeah, it's not as comfortable to glass and your binoculars are shaking and you've got to have a steady tripod and all that. But all of a sudden, you shrink your window up of places where you need to look and, and you become very efficient. Um, I know this probably this over this next month, month and a half, is one of your favorite times of the year with, you know, rutting mule deer and big giant deer and, and all of that. Uh, but then following that up, uh, you also have, uh, you do quite a bit of OTC uh, archery uh, December and January uh, deer hunts, uh, both mule deer and coos. Talk a little bit about that. And, um, you I, know, I kind do. Of, another, go ahead. Yeah, just talk about it. Yeah, I, li I like those a lot. I think they're fun hunts. I think you can get away from people. Um, there's obviously spots that are more popular than others, and, and you can go to those spots and see deer, but you're going to see, you know, 10 or 15 other people. There's spots that I go to that, you know, I, sometimes for 7, 8, 10 days, I won't see another vehicle, won't see another person. So it's almost like you're out there illegally hunting because there's just nobody out there. It just feels weird and... and uh, you know, a lot of that's in that tougher country to hunt that people don't like to hunt because it's a little thicker with juniper pinion cover, um, not as open, not as easy to see deer. But when you see them, I mean, you can run into some older age class animals. Uh, I killed I killed a buck for myself in January this year. Uh, I think it was 183. Um, 
you know, it was in a spot that nobody goes to and, and kind of had it to myself and it, just, just a fun time. So I, I like those hunts a lot. The coos deer, the same thing. You know, the rut really seems to be getting going mid-January and the, the mule deer a little bit before that. You can have some good rut activity around that Christmas time and sometimes even before Christmas. So it's always fun to be out there that time of year. Um, you know, and when I'm hitting new spots and checking new stuff to go back on your glass and thing, a lot of times what I'll do is look for uh, animals, you know, not just the animal I'm looking for, but if I find cattle out there, if I find burrows, if I find horses, I know a deer can survive there because there's got to be water somewhere around. Even if I don't know there is water, if I see cattle, I know a deer can be there. So then, you know, it, it makes me glass harder, makes me look harder into that area where I, I see living animals that need to drink water. So um, very good. That helps. Very good point. Yeah, it, yeah. It helps me out a bunch, especially especially that stuff that I don't know that well, and I'm I'm like, man, I wonder if that you know, wonder if that tank's got water because you can see it all on a map or whatever, and you just wonder if this stuff has water without checking it. As long as you see cattle, as long as you see horses or burrows or something, you know there's water close, and if there's burrows or horses or cattle there, you know deer can be there. So that kind of puts me in the right spot, and and I know. I'm not just, you know, pissing in the wind, trying to trying to find a deer that doesn't exist because there's, you know, not a livable environment for him with water, because I'm seeing other animals. So that helps Very me a lot. On the, yeah, it helps me a lot on the over-the-counter stuff. If I'm if I'm spreading out on some new country and trying to get away from people, and because you know during the rut you just never know what you're going to see. You just need to find the does and then you know dig deep, and and the buck's going to be somewhat close if not on top of them so uh that's that's a and fun that's thing one of the to things too yeah that that that's fun probably hunting during the rut what you were probably about to say is you know those otc hunts i mean people need to realize you're on most situations you're getting to hunt those deer and specifically mule deer you're getting to hunt them pretty much during the peak of the rut i mean you know you've got your strip deer and your kaibab deer that people need to understand kind of rut in november but then yep. most of all, our state, the, the other deer in the lower elevations in the central Arizona, southern Arizona, they rut all of January. So you're, you're yep. getting to hunt in the absolute peak of the rut. Yeah, you're hunting with a bow, but, you know, as far as guys getting out and, and you know, taking new people hunting, I mean, it's a great opportunity because usually you get to see quite a bit of action uh, because they're out there chasing, you know, bucks are chasing does. Exactly. And you just, like I say, you never know what you're going to see. I mean... You can take it back, you know, there was that giant buck killed down by Yuma, you know, pushing 300 inches out by Seligman. There's been several bucks over 220, 230 killed. You know, up in nine, there's been several bucks in that 220, 230, 250 range killed. They're around, um, you know, and, and that's what's so fun about that over-the-counter hunt is you go out and if you hit hit a new spot and hit hit some different stuff, pick up some does, you just never know what's going to walk out of those trees because the genetics are there. It's just you got to find that age class and that buck that slipped through for, you know, several years. Yeah, for sure. So it's it's, a, it's um, a lot of fun. Yeah. Anything out there, any new gear, any new optics, any anything that you're high on or, or you know, gear-wise uh, this season that, that, you know, is new to you or anything you've got yeah, your eye on yeah. out there? You know, I was, I was hunting that 13A buck, and, and I, I didn't have a – set of BTXs. I've got the ATX uh, 95 and 65, but I don't have the BTX adapter for it. The hunter I had had the BTX adapter, so it was really the first time I got the field to use it. 
Um, so I was kind of switching back and forth with that in my 15s. And uh, that Monday that I glassed that deer and we killed him, I had glass with my 15s starting out, and then I switched over to the BTX on, on my tripod, and I picked that deer up right away. And, you know, I don't know that I would have picked that deer up with my 15s. Now, I've used the big eyes in the doctors uh, for for years, and I'll tell you, that BTX is a game changer because the hike I was doing to get up on top of this mountain was just miserable with, you know, carrying those doctors up there and, and having that, uh, you know, I already have my my 95 with me, so that BTX is nothing to throw in the pack. I thought that was a big game changer for me, so, you know, that's now in my pack. And then uh, I broke down yesterday over at Bull Basin and picked up uh, one of those inReach things because I guess I've just never thought I needed one, and I thought, well, i I, I got to get one of those. Um, so, anyway, I've been playing with that yesterday and today, and that thing's pretty amazing, too, because I, I usually turn on my satellite phone when I go up there, and, and the cost of the satellite phone to turn on, I mean, it's, you know, this this Garmin inReach thing is, is uh, I think, the way to go. I'll, I'll see how it works on this these next few hunts, but, uh, yeah, it, it seems a lot less expensive, and with the app on your phone, you can text off your phone to all your contacts and, and, and send right off to it. And if your other hunters in camp all have that inReach and you, you're out of radio service, you know, too far from each other, just can't contact each other, you can at least send each other texts and be in touch. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to really like it. Um, and I was just going to say, if you don't have the phone app, get the phone app. It sounds like you already do because, I mean, you in essence have the ability to text, you know, the, at the speed that you normally do on your phone. Uh, you know, I use them on my doll sheep hunts, and it just works fantastic, uh, you know, relative to what else is out there. And you know, I have a sat phone too, but uh, definitely being able to text. It, you can even send out photos um, on that, which is incredible. Um, oh, so, really? yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. And, uh, yeah, it, it, that's a great tool for sure. And the BTX is one of those things that, uh, you know, most people that look through it, uh, you know, the only gripe I have with the BTX, well, there's two gripes. One is it's angled, which I prefer straight. Um, yep. But a lot of guys love the angled uh, in a spotting scope, and it doesn't bother them in a binocular. And then the fact that it's not a variable power, it's just a fixed power. But, you know, from a weight standpoint alone, uh, you know, it's pretty incredible when you're running the, you know, 65-millimeter BTX, you know, you're at like 4.14 pounds. And when you're running the full 95 BTX, you're only at 6.5 pounds, which you know, your doctors alone were 12 pounds, plus the tripod, you yep. had to carry a heavy-duty tripod that was 12 pounds, too. Now you can just kind of carry a normal <laughs> tripod. So, I mean, <laughs> for guys like you and me that are, you know, getting, we're, we're, oh, yeah. we're older than starting we to feel used it. to be. Let's just <laughs> leave it at that. Starting to feel it a little bit. You know, cutting 10, 15 pounds out of just, just your optic and tripod is a big deal. Yeah. No, I'm I'm really impressed with them. I'm I'm not used to an angle. I, I said ATX earlier, but I guess it's the STX. It's straight. I've never had an angle thing before. So up on that hill, it was it was tough to get used to, and especially tough to figure out where I was even looking, because my head was not looking where where I normally right. look. Um, right. But like once, your I got, once I got used lines. to it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once I got used to it, I think it was okay. Um, I still need a lot of work behind that angled thing, but but the 
you know, I think the clarity is great. And for the weight savings, to me, it's a no-brainer with that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's great. I, those are the two pieces of equipment I picked up this year um, that, that I think are going to come in real handy for me. Jason, uh, I know that uh, you're busy and you you got to leave for the strip tomorrow, so uh, I'll let you tell the listeners uh, how they can get a hold of you. Uh, obviously, guys, uh, he's headed deer hunting, so, you know, you'll have to, realize that he may be gone for a while, but uh, go ahead and tell the listeners how they can get a hold of you, and I'll link it up in the show notes for you. Yeah, best way to get a hold of me is just, just through the phone. Uh, you can text or call or whatever, and sometimes, like Jay just said, I'll be out of town not in service, but my phone number is 928-637-8378, and uh, I've got an Instagram and Facebook under Bond Trophy Outfitters. Uh, you can send me messages and stuff there. I'm not... 100% savvy on, on social media and stuff, so sometimes it takes me a while to get back to you on there, but occasionally I'll, I'll have it figured out and be able to get back to you pretty quick on it. Awesome, man. Thanks for spending some time with us. Uh, have a great time. We'll have to catch up on the backside and after all the deer hunts, and uh, you always do a great job. I'm looking forward to seeing the giants you guys knocked down this year, so uh, God bless. All right, we're Take looking care, forward okay? to it. All right, God all bless. Right, Take care.